0: This, this is Brock and Salk. Brock Heward is my hero. Jay Peter just punched me in the kidney. Power through the Alaska Airline Studio on Seattle Sports. Oh, we're going to do you a minute. Don't really work that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does, though. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen and Ballard. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salk. Hello! Yep, hello, Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com, and the all-important Seattle sports app. I'm sure you were there yesterday, listening to the entire Jerry Depoto interview, so that you understood all the context and everything he had to say yesterday. And then uh, there was all kinds of other good stuff on the station yesterday. Boy, Maffey was on the station. Dre, Dre Jones was on the station, and now Brockway a lot of Pete Carroll stuff to work mm. through. As they wrapped up mini camp yesterday, they're done. They get a little uh, they get a little voluntary action next week, and then uh, training camp. Man, that's it.
1: Little Velo camp, little passing camp. Yeah. Drew and Gino and crew are sticking around with some of these young guys, which is pretty cool. Again, totally voluntary, and it I just hope, shows uh, you once again that those guys want to be a part of it. Let
0: the lefty kid be a part of it, man. I didn't see him take one rep during any of these practices. Not yeah, one. That's way it goes. Really? Yeah. Go pitch.
1: <laughs> go pitch. That's, that's where all the lefties are <laughs> <have> going. <laughs> Uh, that's I was where rooting at. for your little lefty too. I, was I know. Hoping, I know. I was
0: hoping he, you know, get some reps, show something. He's first, and you know, when there's somewhere to go, he runs there. Oh sure! I mean, he is in I line. Us lefty QBs are
1: tryhards. <laughs> very tryhard. We got to go.
0: Yeah, very, very <laughs> tryhard. Yeah, Pete was uh, pretty excited about having guys around. Um, it it gives, I don't know. It's 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 been a good
2: rhythm for us, you know, and, and really gives some of the veteran guys a chance to, to get out of here, you know, and when you know the ones that worked hard and, and did all that, would really focus on the young guys and as many guys as we can get to come back in the next couple of days. Um, this is voluntary time for these guys, and really appreciate the fact that they came in in, in such good numbers it really allowed us to make progress in, in all areas. And, and uh,
1: so it was good stuff. He knows this part wasn't voluntary, right? Correct. He knows I was mandatory. He's okay. talking about now. He's talking about now. He's okay, just checking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, as I told you, there's a lot of excitement for veteran guys. You know, they they know this is the last commitment, and then it's to Cancun for two, three, four weeks. Hopefully get their workouts in on the beach, and then it's training camp time, and it's go time for the next four, five, six months of their life. But but and it would be uh, – It'd be rather fascinating, and it'd be impossible, I think, mm-hmm. to find a study to show these teams at the end of the year what their attendance voluntarily is in the offseason. To look at Philly and Kansas City last year and San Francisco and the, you know just the teams that were left at the top of the mountain after a long, arduous journey of a season, how many of them the previous offseason saw 90% participation in the offseason, 95% participation i'm going to guess there's a fairly strong correlation talent still trumps just about everything else but i'm going to guess that try hardness in the off season <laughs> matters is, it matters because i watched it in 10 and 11 and 12 and 13 and 14 when all their best players wanted to be around there and wanted to be a part of it and didn't just look to leave right i mean they built and they were smart and, and pete and company you know built a, an amazing facility down there and and got the right people you know, surrounding them. And they didn't want to leave the locker room. They want to go compete. They wanted to shoot hoops. And they wanted to play ping pong. They wanted to, to be great teammates. And they had them in large numbers then. And they've got them in rather large numbers now. And the fact that Drew and Gino are sticking around uh to, to work with these youngsters is just yet another piece of evidence of that
0: well he did comment on uh on brooks and adams both being there after not being around for voluntary mini camps yeah it's
1: always good to get them
2: back here they, they've been gone a while and then and uh you know it's, it's an important important time for them too to, to get to know who you know who we're talking to and you know we, we've made some adjustments and changes as always and uh you only get so much out of the Zoom thing, you know. So them being here has been
1: really valuable. Can you send that? To, was it Leftco that took that shot at me? I think it was Leftco. Leftco took a shot at you? Yeah, I think it was Leftco or Bumpus. Yeah, uh, said that it was, was Leftco. much of
2: a boomer to realize they
1: could do stuff yeah. on Zoom. Oh, You're right. Send, send, yeah. that, send that to Leftco <laughs> for me. If I, do you remember, mind. I do remember that now. Yeah, he called please. you a boomer. Yeah, please cut that and send it to him. Just have it wow. on repeat for Leftco this morning. Because there's only so much you get out of Zoom. I mean, that's 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 just true. In well, fact, but Brock, in that
0: I mean, if the answer is about if the if the question rather is about being a boomer, yeah. I don't know whether like Pete Carroll agreeing with you is necessarily well, the way to show that why? you're not he's like from an the old greatest guy. generation.
1: Whoa, whoa, well, I'm a little what? worried about what?
0: Pete after hearing this. It
2: is like the last day of school. You know, when they put the uh, the poo poo cushions on the on the on the teacher's seat. You know, yeah. Like the what? Everybody dropped a pencil at the same time in a meeting.
0: You know what's a poo poo cushion?
2: I assumed he meant whoopee.
0: Is that a whoopee cushion? (laughs) Oh, but But I I think I'm getting too old for this stuff. Yeah, I've never heard it called a poo poo cushion. I've never heard that in my life, and I'm old. Like I've never heard that.
1: It is like the last
0: day of school. You know, when they
2: put the uh, the poo poo cushions on the on the on the teacher's seat. You know, yeah.
1: (laughs) What?
0: so yeah so Brock you can say well, I mean I'm happy to send that to Lefko for you if you think yes. that that like proves your point but I'm not sure it's going to show that you're like you know young with it hip and cool sure, sure. I think that may actually get sent right back to you from Lefko yeah. saying
1: yeah no kidding
0: oh well let's, be, well let's be very
1: clear I am old and I am basic but I do know that zoom <laughs> that zoom doesn't work that zoom doesn't take in from a team concept and a football concept and a right. locker room concept and the fraternity concept concept and all that relationship concept it just doesn't do it it just has certain levels poo poo cushion
0: yeah never Poo-poo. heard that yeah never were you
1: into the whoopee cushion at all did you ever no, think that was funny I, no yeah. not really i'm I generally out good. on bathroom humor uh-huh. in general yeah. i see no. that it's just well, is, as you know i mean i like one weight. of my. I'm, i've got just a few unique gifts in life yeah like the, the neck machine I was, that was my strongest lift oh, in yeah. college. A very important one. No importance whatsoever. <laughs> I am one of the loudest clappers because my, I don't know what it shocking. is. Shocking. Surface area of my palms, uh, very large. You so ch- therefore. Your clapping is shocking. Therefore. <laughs> therefore, bathroom humor. When I would cut my farts in no. my armpits, it <laughs> no. was... Oh, you could really do that. Oh, was good it Oh, I could do epic. a good armpit. Oh, I, really I, could good, wow. I, could oh I could do a good armpit. Is that fart. better
0: than the... Like, the <laughs> way better. Really? Way,
1: wait. Maybe later I'll, yeah, I'll put my hand it, in it. It's we'll not
0: squeaky? Usually the armpit nope. fart's kind of like a...
1: Like it's a oh. little squeaker.
3: What Correct. about that thing where you put your hands together <laughs> in the pool and like shoot oh, water at yeah. people? Can you do that, Brock?
1: Ooh, I never did get into that. That's hard to do. That is hard to do. Could you squeak? Like the two-finger whistle, like the gleek, like the poo-poo cushion?
3: Yeah. You can
0: gleek? (laughs) That little no, thing where you like spit from no, under Luke your could tongue. Well, I'm yeah, glad Luke we spent this bleed. time talking about what Pete Carroll said yesterday. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. What else you got? Oh, you What know, else we like got? Sound
1: on Mike Morris and Cam sure. Young. What else we got? Uh, you know, Pete. How based... about some injuries? Do we have any injuries? Injury
0: updates? Oh, dude, who cares about that? Okay. Here's right. Pete on. Oh, you want an injury? Anthony Bradford's injured. He hasn't been there in yeah. a few days because uh, he got in a little accident. Yeah, he
2: had a fender bender out here and and uh, he just bonked his head a little bit. So we're just taking care of him. <laughs> I don't know how you have a fender bender on 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 uh, Twelve uh, Seahawks Way, but he did. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, yeah, Fender Bender in their parking lot. It sounds like right on that straight road that gets you into the V Mac.
1: Well, where did the old running back? Where did right it with there? Derek Fred?
0: Fred uh, uh, oh, oh no. Fred Taylor. Fred Taylor, Marshawn Lynch. Right, we're racing out there. Yeah, uh,
3: yeah. Derek yeah. Coleman's was uh, right was outside Factoria. the facility, but I don't right. think it was on that road. Yeah, not on that road. No, yeah, that happened fearful. right in front of our old building at work. I oh, really? Co-worker was one of the first ones there. <laughs> ooh, ooh yeah. So
0: there you go. I mean, there's okay. uh, there's a little injury stuff. I've got sound about. Uh, let's see, Mike morris that's our guy we like mike sure. morris
2: i know he'll be physical and tough i'm not worried about that but he needs to get in pads you know and get his pads down and get you know make sure that a guy can get underneath the blocks and stuff like that but um uh he, he made a really good impression and you know how i always like different dimension guys and you guys that bring something special he, he's he's unique he's different than the rest of the guys and so um we'll we'll see if we can find a, a good spot for him to play
1: I think we talked about that in Blue 88 this week, right, with mm-hmm. him putting on added weight and just his length and when he made you look like mini-me, Tim Kirchner, that, okay, that is awesome, but can you get your pads down, right? Can you play with leverage? And that's where Michael Bennett was, you know, so unique. Bennett was a big guy too, right? I mean, 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", mm-hmm. but he could really just play low. And, and and he was a guy that had to do a bunch and was pretty darn versatile, and they hope they can see it. Now, now the next step, and, and you heard that a bunch from him yesterday, is put the pads on. Right. Because you didn't can't do any can't. of that. Nope. You I mean, you. you I mean, can't. you could see
0: a lot of the a lot of the corners and the you know, what those guys yeah. were doing, but the guys, the, the the big dudes. Nope. I mean, they're just hanging. They're they're just going through the motions in a lot of ways, right? I mean, they're working. They're not even part of it. seven on seven most of the time.
1: Yeah, it's you know that that game, and I say this quite often in my broadcast is the line scrimmage like the old game of tug of war. Did you like tug of war? Speaking of, yeah, I like tug of war. And, I had a dream about tug of war the other night. Did you really? Yeah. And it's almost, you know, these OTAs, it's like they're trying to play tug-of-war without a rope. Like, I mean, really, what what are we doing? Without pads on, what can you really tell from a leverage and power and strength standpoint? It'll be a big difference in a month or so when them pads do come on.
0: All right, good stuff. We'll talk to Joe Fan coming up here in 20 minutes. Before we do, we'll give you everything you need to know. It's coming up next on Brock & Salk Seattle Sports on 710. (laughs)
3: need to know
1: 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk.
3: Here's what you need to know
0: up first. Well, a day off yesterday, Brock, and I guess it was necessary and clear from our conversation with Jerry Depoto, that no one is happy, nor should they be with the way this Mariners season has gone. I mean,
4: by far, the most perplexing is what has roughly been a power outage up and down our lineup. We have uh, we are built to do damage—that's that's what our lineup does. That's what the history of our players says. They says that they are going to do, and and we just haven't done that this year. And I, I wish I could tell you why, but it's you know it's roughly up and down the lineup with almost every hitter out there.
0: Yeah, that's certainly a good description of the problems they've had, and how significant are they? Well, such so that if they don't, you know, well here I'll just let Jerry take it. We
4: could go out and acquire Prime Babe Ruth. And it's not going to help us. <laughs> we have, we're not one player away or you know one magic salve from from fixing this. This is a commitment from twenty six players on a roster to reverse our course. And you know between now and the end of July, if we show progress in that way, then we'll go out and solve what problem you know or problems we can solve. But we're not going to flip out our roster for for six or eight new players. Yeah, and
0: I think it, what you hear there, Brock, is. <laughs> We're not going to go get one guy at the deadline, keep playing the way we are right now, and that's going to be okay. If everybody tunes it up and starts playing the way they're supposed to, then we'll go out and fix the holes, but we're not going to go bring in one player and fix this whole problem.
1: No, and and in fact, uh, the team you're going to start playing tonight, these Angels, three game set down in Anaheim, they've got nine guys above that league average OPS. (laughs) That OPS, league average, 720, they've got nine. You've got four. So they're they're actually hitting it. They just swept away the Cubs. They're four games over five hundred. They're playing better baseball. Some of their off season free agent acquisitions are hitting the ball and, and actually fit you know, fitting in with Shohei and yep. Trout who continue to do what they do, so an awfully, awfully big series beginning at the Big A tonight. Yeah,
0: Luis Castillo, Shohei Otani tonight. And by the way, the Mariners signed Didi Gregorius to a minor league deal. He'd been playing in the Mexican League and actually hitting the ball pretty well. I, again, I don't think that's the answer, but I think he's on that Justin Upton, Carlos Santana leadership kind of a vibe. So after some time in Tacoma, my guess is we'll see him up in the clubhouse to try to help in that second fashion. base. Uh, I mean, he's been a shortstop, but yes, I would assume he'd play second base here. Here's the second thing you need to know. All right, minicamp done. Coach happy, and as he should be. His team looked really sharp. His quarterback looked stellar, and there's all kinds of young talent on the field, especially in the secondary. My
2: wheels are turning, yes. They've been turning. They ain't got to stop either. doesn't matter how long a vacation this is. They ain't stopping. This is really exciting. The dimensions that we have at the safety position really really special with depth because trey brown did really well in this camp as well and and so with the depth of uh with mike and and spoon and reek and and trey that that's a good group you know kobe's kobe's got stuff to do for us too so you know, it's going to be a real battle in camp, and and uh, I hope everybody stays healthy so they can put their best foot forward and all of that. But uh, this is as competitive as we've been in a, in a long time, and, and we expect we expect to call on those guys.
1: You're telling me the old secondary coach who used to sit on poo-poo cushions is thrilled and excited about the versatility of all of his secondary. Is mm-hmm. that what I'm hearing right there? I think so, yeah. And I think we're going to replay some more of that sound and not just the poo-poo cushion. But yeah, I think he went on to say that Mike Jackson had the best camp and off-season of anybody. And Not only did he off- say it,
0: he, he just sort of said it without even being asked about Mike Jackson. Uh,
2: Michael Jackson had the best camp of anybody. He been had a great camp. And, and uh, he he's stepped up for the challenge of it, uh, had just... A really productive, almost a dominant camp force, you know, and so uh, uh, that's great to see that. I mean, we need it.
1: Yeah, Thriller got after it. Not shocking, right? After what Tariq Woolen did a year ago, and he's the, you know, an all-pro caliber corner, and then you're going to take the fifth pick in the draft. Somebody to replace me, so yeah, Thriller was up for the challenge.
0: Uh, he also said that Jake Bobo and Jonathan, Jonathan Sutherland were the top undrafted free agents. Being out there, I would 100% agree with that. Sutherland got a lot of run. I mean, with no Jamal Adams out there, he was playing a lot of safety and, and looked really good, kept making plays. And every time Bobo's out there, he catches – I mean, he's really – it's crazy. He makes a lot of plays for a guy that does not run very fast. No more mandatory practices till training camp starts. They will have some more voluntary OTAs next week.
3: Here's the third thing you need to right, know. you want to follow me on
0: this, Brock, after a couple more days to just digest – Everything going on in the golf world. Here's a a thought that was brought up yesterday that's kind of got my head spinning a little bit. So we know there's a good chance the government, either here or in Europe, blocks the deal because of antitrust concerns, monopoly issues, right? Mm Mm-hmm. What if that was always the Saudi plan? The public agreement with the PGA, right? The fact that this has gone public has somewhat normalized live. All of the sudden, advertisers are having conversations with them who wouldn't touch them before. TV networks that wouldn't touch them before having conversations because they've kind of brought them into the mainstream. And the players, by the way, who are super, super mad at the PGA and Jay Monaghan imagine if this deal gets blocked do those players want to stay with the pga tour who just stabbed them in the back or do they want to go to the new tour who now by the way is getting advertising and partnership conversations maybe this was the plan all
1: along wow this is why in this business i think we have learned over the years be really careful to rush to any clear judgment that you think you know exactly where these stories are going to unfold and where they're going to go You've got to be very very careful and with all the stakeholders involved in this one it's going to take a little bit of time to unwind unbelievable,
0: unbelievable. Hey, um, that's everything question. you need to know we do that quarter past every hour here on for joe show yes
1: uh quick question for you can you play that jerry cut one more time about the baby because there's something the last the, the, the a couple weeks before when he joined us we yeah. tried to figure out what he said right we scantha biantha yeah scantha yeah. biantha he dropped something in here that i've listened to a few times okay a magic I... salve
4: is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. Could, yeah, we could f- go out and acquire Prime Babe root and it's not going to help us. <laughs> we have we're not one player away, or you know, one Magic Salve from from okay. fixing. Them. All right. Just salve. a Magic Salve. Okay,
1: that makes sense. Does that make sense? At first, I was like a Magic cell, and then I was like Magic you know, Salve. Salve. salve? S a l v e. Like a solution. I got you. Yes. I, once you said it, I got it. Okay. Yeah, but once again, it was one of those, like, huh. Scantha Biantha. Well, let's I be mean, very clear. I am old, and I am basic.
0: <laughs> Do you think we should have had the <laughs> Scantha Biantha conversation with Jerry yesterday? Would that have been appropriate? Actually, <laughs> no. <be> an <laughs> Actually, no. Uh, that continues to crack me up. All right, Joe Fan uh, is going to join us. I have a thought for Joe. We'll see if this works. We're going to give him uh, a little platform to teach me a thing or two coming up next. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, and the Seattle Sports app. This, this is brock and salk powered through the alaska Airlines studio back
4: in mornings from six
0: to ten on seattle sports and the seattle sports app that's right 7 30 it's friday and it's time for our friend joe fan you can find him on twitter joe underscore fan you can read him at seattlesports.com joseph good morning sir
3: hey good morning mike how are you
0: we're great. Brock's here today too. Uh, we're, we're both here in action on a Friday, despite the rain. And uh, yeah, so you and I, 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 I realized as we were, as people were dunking on me earlier this week, Brock, as you may remember, earlier this week, Joe, we that had, happened. We, yes, we had people just straight up dunk on me, and we had all sorts of sound effects to really let them know that I had been posterized, etc.
1: But it was it, really Ira in Spokane. Even if you're listening this morning, Ira, you know what you said. I mean, you put the two-hand Dominique flush right right on his forehead. With authority. (laughs) Yes.
0: So rather than letting you dunk on me, Joe, because uh, I think you could do that fairly handily, I thought maybe I would just say today, just teach me a thing or two. I'm not going to argue with you about anything today. I refuse to argue. I am going to keep my mouth mostly shut, ask a question or two. I'm going to listen, and I'm going to learn from Joe Fan. What would you like to teach me today?
3: I don't know if it's teach you as much as remind you that that so much of the emotion of a mariner's fan and not every mariner's fan but a lot of them I would certainly put myself in that category of, of what I'm about to speak of is and Moore did a beautiful job touching on it uh, earlier in the week of you know this isn't a you know short memory you know overly needy fan base that, that is, has turned into, you know, where it's greedy beyond measure. It's, it's a hurt fan base period. And if you've been a Mariners fan for any significant amount of time, I'm 33. So I lived through all of the, you know, that the 2000s and 2010s, you know, very aware um, you've been hurt more than you've been, um, able to enjoy an exciting baseball team. And so with that comes uh, a set of scars that, that can lead to certainly sometimes uh, irrational fears. Um, but also, you know, I, I think there's, there aren't many organizations and professional sports that get, or that have earned less of a benefit of the doubt. And uh, that's sort of just what you're getting into when you take the job of Seattle Mariners manager, Seattle Mariners owner, Seattle Mariners uh, general manager. Um, And and so I think the only thing I would say is, is certainly I have felt this from maybe the beginning of the year or even, you know, back to the off season, sort of tired of being patronized or or, or labeled as a doomer. And, you know, because, well, you just got to have faith. Well, the season's early. You're not allowed to be worried about X, Y, and Z. And so I think when you're sort of feeling this, man, there's some Mariners fans out there that are pulling for this team to be bad. I'm not going to say that person doesn't exist, but I think it's much more, see, like, I, I, I'm sick of being called, you know, being told it's too early or being called a doomer. Like, this this roster isn't constructed perfectly. The off season was filled with half measures, and we're seeing a team that's not very good. And, and yes, while the pitching was incredible, you know, it shouldn't be, well, the pitching's incredible, so all they do is the bats, bats just have to come around. It's like, well, at some point the pitching's going to regress a bit. This isn't uh, on pace to be the best pitching staff in the history of baseball, odds are it's not going to be quite that good. So it's not just that the hitting has to get better. It has to get significantly better. And so, um, yeah, it, it's layered. It's emotional. It's, it's um, historic when it comes to, you know, why people feel the way they feel about this team. Um, but I think it all comes back to, you know, it's just hard to feel like you're being patronized for being worried about a baseball team. That made the playoffs five times in its entire existence.
1: So, should Mister Stanton and Mister Depoto not put World Series expectations before first pitch?
3: Um, I just don't. If you're not going to back it up with the actions of a team that that looks like it's trying to do everything it can to win a World Series, then you know that to me is the issue. The World Series should always be a goal, and it's not that I have an issue with them making that the stated objective. Of course it is. And after you made the playoffs the year prior, it has to be. But it wasn't but just the goal, jo-
1: Joe. But it wasn't just the goal, right? It wasn't just, hey, we compete. Yeah, we oh, every team goes. That wasn't just the goal. It was different this year. It was different when they joined this show. It was different when they joined Bump and Stacey. It was different there on yeah. the first game of the regular season where yeah. it was, you know, World Series is is now the expectation. That's the next step because of what we did the year before. Looking back now, was that –
3: unwise i don't think it was unwise i just don't think their actions matched that statement or what that you know those talking points were and i said that all off season again this isn't revisionist history this isn't oh i loved it now i'm saying i hate it to, to go back and condemn jerry depoto i have been super sour on what this team has done for a long time now at this point so um, yeah, I just don't think, again, what, what they're saying of this is what this team is capable matched the effort they put into last offseason in terms of completing the roster. That they they banked way too much and way too heavily on the guys already on the roster either repeating what they did in 2022 or taking another significant step forward. And we obviously haven't seen that.
0: What did you make of Jerry yesterday?
3: I thought it was good. I mean, it was exactly what I wanted to hear. I wrote about it earlier this week on, on Seattle Sports of You know, the last thing I want to see is the panic trade that, you know, depletes the farm system even more. Um, You know, if it's this kind of desperation, Hey, we need something, we need some spark. And sure. If it's Carlos Santana that you get for free, fine. You know, there's, it's not that I want any move to be made, but you know, they're not in a position where, and Jerry DePoto said it perfectly. I didn't write it in my store, but I, I said the same thing in so many words of, yeah, they're, they're not prime Babe Ruth away from being a contender and, yeah, um, and, and that's why not all of this is on Jerry DePoto. I mean, at some point the players have to figure it out. I mean, you've got an entire lineup of of players not just underperforming, but in most cases egregiously underperforming. And it's really hard to fathom how bad it's been. And I don't put that all on Jerry because So why you know, why, Joe? Why? I don't know. I, I mean, know. he didn't have answers yesterday,
1: right? And 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 Jerry, you know, when you ask about the power outage and and I mean, just historically jumping off of a cliff, numbers wise for AJ Pollock and Colton Wong and and Au Henio Suarez has fallen back. How? Why? If you were to if you were if you were to try to speculate, try to answer
3: why? I mean, the the hot take I would give you was you have to wonder what about this team is missing, whether it's culturally, leadership-wise, guys in the locker room, the ability to perform with the expectations of being great. And you're not playing with house money anymore. You're not playing this uh, fun differential joyride of, you know, let's be the underdog. Something about that mentality of saying, hey, we have to get here because, you know, anything less than – you know these lofty goals that have been that are loftier than they have been in you know most years of the franchise's existence would be a would be a failure, and so that, that's what I don't you know that, that's what I can come up with. But yeah, it's hard to pinpoint because it really is baffling. I, I never saw this coming, genuinely. Even as as cautiously optimistic I was about the team because I believed in the core, I never saw this coming. I don't think anybody did.
0: How do you feel about their long term potential now?
3: I still feel good about the core, but I I think for me, the the biggest concern is what do George Kirby and Logan Gilbert want to do long-term and where do they want to be long-term. And I I do think it is sort of um, incumbent on Jerry DiPoto to figure out, talk to the representation and be like, Hey, what are the odds of getting a deal done in Seattle? And then however that conversation needs to be broached, you sort of have to figure it out because their trade value is at an all time high. And if you get a feeling that they are never going to resign, then you have to start figuring out how you're going to maximize the package in return, whether it's LLB Bats and prospects. I mean, the sky is the limit for both of those two who are borderline all-stars and, and seemingly getting better by the week.
0: Are you sure they want to sign them long-term?
3: I think they'd be foolish not to. I would be very. What would be the rationale to not wanting to sign two young, talented pitchers uh, to long-term deals?
0: I think it's exactly that—that that they're pitchers. That that, beca- that because you already have them for in Logan's case four more years, right? And in in uh, in Kirby's case five more years. That you're you're not. That's enough time for now. That you you get them
1: for their best years. Right,
0: you get them for their best years and their healthiest years. And not that that they can't be great pitchers long-term, but that pitching is such a volatile injury resource that unlike signing Julio to a long-term deal, you want to wait a little while, or signing Cal Raleigh to a long-term deal, or Kelnick or somebody like that, you want to wait until they're 28 years old to find out what their injury issues may be.
3: Sure, okay, I hear you. I, I I think, again, then it would still be those two names are the the next dominoes, in my opinion, of like, what do you do with them? Do yep. you want to just ride out their rookie deals? Do you want to see if you can uh, capitalize on maximum trade value and get a handful of bats, um, you know, whatever the degree of the, the trade package ends up being? Um, I think those are important questions to ask yourself right now and, and not just say sure. it's a tomorrow problem because um, – yeah, this team has flaws and how do you get over the hump if you are, you know, if your draft developed trade and and free agency really isn't going to be part of that philosophy. Uh, And again, I I get what Jerry says yesterday about, you know, the the best teams, it's that what, that's what it is. But, but I also, I would always go back to the Mariners core is better than so many teams who have then gone and spent so much money where, you're not using it as the, the foundational piece of your roster. You're using it as the finishing touches of your roster. And, you know, I, I just have a hard time trusting this team getting to where it wants to go without ultimately going there. And I think the Shohei Otani sweepstakes is going to be, you know, the, the biggest, most pivotal offseason moment for this mm-hmm. team and, and however long, you know, you want to go back to, not to overstate it, but all at the same time, they're really all in for for Shohei. <laughs> the and the most really pivotal moment since the last
0: Shohei Otani mm-hmm. sweepstakes for yeah, the team, right?
3: Right. Well, yeah, I'll say this: being left at the altar by Shohei twice would be would be tough to stomach. But you know, that's just uh, I don't know, man. It, it's really crazy times, and it's such a bummer that we're still having these conversations when you know last season was you know certainly at this time it wasn't fun, but ended up being such a blast of a summer. I think that's what a lot of people go to as well why is everyone so concerned they're better this year than they were last year and they made the playoffs and yada, 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 190 games, all of that. And, you know, I just think, again, I think that still relies more on blind faith than anything you've actually seen from this team that says, hey, you know, things are going to be okay, better days are ahead.
1: A last uh, question for me here, Joe. You mentioned George Kirby and Logan, and I'm sure those guys were the names that were asked for in the offseason as well. And in 30 days, if this team doesn't play well, if they continue on this streak, and they're going to play some good clubs. I mean, they've beaten the bad teams, but they're going to play some good clubs, including a pretty good club tonight and the, and the Marlins and the Yankees and the Orioles on the road. And, you know, these next 30 days isn't full of a bunch of cupcakes. So in 30 days from now, if this team is 12, 14 games out of the American League West
3: do you consider
1: George and Logan on a trade block?
3: I think you listen um, as painful as that is, but you know, you just don't have a whole lot coming up right now as far as, you know, lineup pieces go, you know, Harry Ford isn't on the doorstep. Uh, Cole Young isn't on the doorstep. Um, You know, there isn't really a next wave of bat that's coming. And so yeah, I think you owe it to yourself to listen, and 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 if you get absolutely blown away, it'd be really hard to say no. You know, in my opinion, it's, it's Logan would be the the preferable uh, piece to move to George Kirby, but yeah, I do think you have to take a serious look at at this at this team and where it's at and, and where it could possibly head and how you do get over the hump. And um, you know, I, I think you know Jerry mentioned that it's been really bad this last week or or two, but it's been pretty bad all season again i think the, the numbers against bad teams have been solid but that's sort of the definition of mediocre mediocre isn't good enough this year it's at no point have they looked it was the astros series right it was the astros series they won two out of three i think they beat texas like the next night and like, that was like the best four-day stretch that this team has had all season um you know and so it's it's not just a week of bad ball it's this whole team looks Ill-equipped to to get to where it wants to go, and and you're gonna have to have some tough conversations to figure out why.
0: Joe, quickly uh, before you go here, just want your reaction to what I think was about as crazy a sports story as we've seen in years, and that is the Live Golf uh, PGA. I want to say merger, but it's not. I mean, it's a purchase, really, more than anything else. What is, what do you after a few days now to digest it? What do you think?
3: I mean, it just money wins, and and the Saudi money wasn't going anywhere, and. And so I get why the decision was made. I, I still think Jay Monahan just is such a coward in, in this whole scenario and everything. You know, when you have false morality and, and you you play the moral high ground at nauseum to the point where you are questioning the ethics and morals of players who leave, and uh, you know all of that, and then you and then you fold. And make this deal without ever consulting the players that are on your board in a supposedly player run league or, you know, tour. Um, that's really hard to stomach. And, and I feel really bad for all the guys who have had to deal with this on the PGA Tour players wise. Certainly Rory, chief among them, you know, and I, he had the perfect quote. He's like, I feel like, um, the sacrificial lamb. And, and he's explained all of this. So much better than jay monahan has and it's just like why is it always incumbent on Rory to save the t- save face for the tour and so i think it's disappointing i'm not ultimately surprised because there is no pocket deeper than the saudis public investment fund um but certainly there's a level of disappointment especially after all the hand-wringing uh, we went through you know a year ago Yeah.
0: Totally agree on all that. Joe, great stuff. As always, you can read Joe at seattlesports.com. Find him on Twitter at Joe underscore fan with a couple of N's. Joe, thanks, buddy. We'll talk next week.
3: Hey, fingers crossed for a productive week of baseball ahead so we can lighten the mood here. But uh, appreciate you guys, as always. Have a great weekend.
0: All right. There you go. There's Joe Fan, our friend. uh, And again, at seattlesports.com. Brock, let's go right to Blue 88. This is Brock and Sox Blue 88.
4: Blue 88!
3: We take you to the field as Brock Heward breaks down three football questions as only he can.
1: Now here's your hosts, Brock Heward
0: and Mike Saul. All right, Brock, let's start here. I think I know the answer to this one, but as you look at the position groups on this team, uh, what could legitimately vie for best in the NFL?
1: The receiver room. I mean, I just, I, I am like many mesmerized when i watched jackson smith and jigba and Pete carroll pretty high praise of him yesterday as well just talking about his overall athleticism and how easy he makes things look and when you hear dk and tyler sing his praises it isn't just false chatter you kind of cut through and i think i've heard enough of these guys over my lifetime to know when they really like respect a rookie when it's like you know this this guy's pretty good. Pretty good now. <laughs> like Julio last year, this guy's just a natural. There's just things that come so natural to him. And whether that's high point the ball, whether that's the releases off the line of scrimmage, whether that is still the speed to, to outrun Devin Witherspoon on that little that little vertical switch release, right, that we saw the other day, and you got to see live in person. There's And then obviously catching the ball. It is just so natural. Yeah. It would be fun He's to go very back. Fluid. So fluid so fluid and it'd be fun to go back and look at some of the battles he and his brother had remember his brother's a big league baseball player and the pirates organization has been up at the at that level and so you're talking about skill baseball being a skill sport receiver being a skill position that guy's got skill Mm -hmm. and if he is you know that legit and, and we've seen receivers come into this league right over the last two, three, four years, rookie receivers can come in this league, especially the well-versed ones, and it doesn't take them as long as it used to take them. And if he comes in and makes an impact that he's capable of, as I said yesterday, fifty-plus receptions, out of with DK, out of with Tyler. I know the Bengals have got a deep receiver room. I know there's some other good ones, but they've got an opportunity to compete with the very best very in the league. Interesting
0: question number two.
1: Uh, Leonard Floyd signed in
0: Buffalo, one-year deal. Frank Clark signed a one-year deal in Denver yesterday. Should the Hawks have been interested in either of those two guys at the money they signed for?
1: No. And for Frank, that was five point five guaranteed, with about three million in incentives. A, they don't have that money on hand. Uh, Leonard Floyd's was a little more creative with some void years, but really just a, a one-year deal too close to that five million dollar number. And if they're going to do that, Salk. They're going to have to do that on a nose tackle. They've, they've got enough of those, those body types, mm-hmm. right? There's the Derek Calls and the Daryl Taylors and the Mafes, and those are the guys. They've got to do a little bit of what Frank and certainly Leonard do. Now, they're veterans. They've done it. Their baseball cards and resumes far longer than all of those guys combined. But those are the ones you're growing to develop into those players. If they're going to spend some money and move money around and figure things out, that has got to be on a big body to still compete with Cam Young in the middle.
0: Alright, question number three. I agree with you on that one, by the way. Dalvin Cook is out there. Another running back who's gonna be released this week. What do you have, twelve hundred yards last year? I mean, like, he when he's healthy, he's still a pretty pretty good ball player. I know you don't have any necessarily a need at the running back position. Is there any reason to consider Dalvin Cook? I don't I don't think
1: so. Certainly not when you take who you took, Charbonnet, in the second round. If you don't make that pick in the second round, and, and let's say you were to sign, does you know, it, and that's part does of the make argument. make you rethink signing him in the second Or not, drafting not him ne- in the second not round? Ne- not necessarily, because I always, at that position, want to find the next Alvin Cook. Kind of back to that Logan Gilbert and George Kirby conversation we just had with Joe Fan. Why, why wouldn't you sign him that? Because you want to find the next Logan and find the next George Kirby. And actually, that's your greatest strength. I mean, that, that's what you do. And I think Pete Carroll would argue and say, you know what? I found the next Chris Carson, and I found the next Ken Walker. And I like we can find running backs, and we can develop those running backs. And Salky, I don't know if you've looked at it. I mean, that that position right now, I mean, Ezekiel Elliott still on the market. Leonard Fournette Mm -hmm. still on the market. Dalvin Cook is going to be coming to the market. You've got two guys that have not signed their franchise tenders that want their dough and and haven't showed up to any of the offseason. That is that is not of all the positions in the NFL and you hammer this a bunch, right, and, and you fight some of the that C word collusion when it comes to labeling and defining the worth of some of these positions, be it safety or receiver or otherwise, that is a position that if that is what your child plays, yeah. that's that's the most difficult one in the league. It's the most fun to play when you're a kid. It sure is. It doesn't seem <laughs> like it has uh
0: the prettiest endings when you're an adult, at least in terms of the money that's available these days. All right, there you go. That is three good football questions for Brock. We call it Blue 88. We but, do it every day at 745. But
1: it does lead, and it's why Mina Kimes this week you know, was on a podcast talking about, hey, you know, I, I love Charbonnet, and I love a lot of what they did, but if there's an area this year where instead of signing a nose tackle or mm-hmm. making another addition that you could have taken somebody there, right. that would have been or come up in the draft when some of those guys started to go – or, you know, take that position rather than Derek Hall. And, and you know, th- that's the one. that That's going to be – we talked to Matt Miller about it. We talked to all of our buddies about it after the fact. And that – Lewis Riddick even said, yeah, that that's the one. That's kind of the real estate that we'll go back and mm-hmm. look. And and if Charbonnet is not a, a star and, and doesn't bring an enormous amount of influence, that's the one that we'll be
0: quiet. I'm thinking about your wide receiver thing there. And, and obviously, it's a really intriguing group – I don't know if they're going to best what they've got going on right now in uh, in in Cincinnati. You know, I think Miami Philly's with their top really two good. guys, Philly, Miami's San really Francisco. Good. I mean, like, there, know, the there's some others.
1: Really
0: good. I I thought you might actually go corner just because of the sheer depth there. And, like, you've got a number 5 pick. you got a guy who was almost the rookie of the year last year. Um, and then more depth, two other guys behind him. At least one has now been a solid starter in the NFL. And another who maybe could be, plus Kobe Bryant, plus what you've got with Jordan Love and your safety. It's like... I, I don't know. I, maybe there are better secondaries out there. I guess I, I don't know that as well as I would necessarily know the the wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I thought that's where you were going was towards the the secondary, especially after as, Pete was so juiced up about it.
1: As far as upside, yes, yeah. You just don't know it yet. But you don't know it yet with Smith and Jig, but I don't No, know. but you know it with Tyler and DK. I, you know what you've got there.
0: Yeah, but I also, as much as I love Tyler and DK, and I and I have, I think they're great. Top
1: five. I don't know if I could say top one. No, those two right now are not. But you then throw in a Cooper Cup-esque talent in the slot, and you throw in a true impact. You can't cover this guy, right? You We saw it in the Rose Bowl. We saw it against everybody. You can't cover him. You throw that to the mix, and that should then elevate Tyler and DK even more, take a little bit of the burden off them, give them a little bit more one-on-ones. That's what I'm talking about in totality. Yeah. So I, I would still argue that group over the cornerback room, but mm. the overall depth? And keep in mind this now, and it's not going to happen over the next four weeks because a lot of this, you know, the executives go away. That is your supply, that is where you have surplus, as Jerry likes to say. Yep. And if you don't have it with the nose tackle or big guys, Mm. that may be the room that Mm. uh, other teams could come Mm. calling
0: about. Yeah, I I mean, I've mentioned that a couple of times, right? If you need to go make a move, is Trey Brown an option? Is Mike Jackson an option if you're able to kind of push what those guys can do? Mike
1: Jackson, best camp of anybody.
0: Right, that is really good. You know who we love is the safety. Uh, We're really impressed with Jarek Reed. really impressed with his Jonathan Sutherland. Safeties have been really incredible out there. (laughs) Hey, Kobe Bryant, by the way, this kid Mike Jackson's been really Good. Anybody else out there, if you're with another team, you're like, you know, maybe interested in making a deal if you need a corner and you got maybe, I don't know, like an extra nose tackle just lying around somewhere. I mean, I don't know, whatever. Uh, Mike Jackson, really, really good. We yeah, as long really as that nose tackle,
1: listen, as long as that nose tackle's not sitting on the poo poo cushion. Right. Yeah. You and don't want good. that. You, don't, you do not want You don't need, no need part of
0: that. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com.